Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Blue Soccer Game. John, Dave, and myself. We're going to look back over all the autumn, all the autumn internationals. Look uh, back also at Leinster's victory against uh, Glasgow the weekend, the other URC action, and of course look forward to our game on the weekend against Ulster. So first against second. So anyway, boys, like we haven't spoken for a bit since the uh, just after the South Africa game. So we obviously. We had uh, a couple of good victories against Fiji and Australia, but um, one thing we're gonna just go through the results. There was a lot of very close games um, during the autumns, like, I mean, with Japan almost putting it up against New Zealand, then Australia getting by by a point against Scotland and France, uh, losing against France by a point. England been beaten. Um, Obviously, Wales been beaten by Georgia. You know, some so like just probably I don't think it's ever been this close a year out from the World Cup without going. I haven't a clue who's going to win it. I I thought you were going to say Wales almost beating Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a close way to put it. But um, yeah, yeah, good, exciting autumn nation series generally, wasn't it? Um, we only. Stumbled by Australia in the end by, you know, our saviour, Ross Byrne, kicking a, a not that easy penalty in fairness. But he does like them far wide out. And uh, as we noticed this weekend as well, he does uh, he does like to set himself a challenge on the kicking front. Um, and yeah, I'm glad to have him closing out. He, he, somebody said he could become the Mornay Stain of Ireland's World Cup campaign, um, which you know wouldn't be so bad. Um, to have him to close out a game. So, yeah, nice one. Uh, as regards the rest of France, France-Australia, cracking, cracking game. Uh, and England coming back from the dead against New Zealand doesn't really bode well for New Zealand's World Cup hopes. Uh, and then England themselves looking like a bit of a shambles under Eddie doesn't look good for their hopes. But, you know, there's a long, there's a long time between now and the World Cup. You know, it's a short time in terms of matches available to be played, but in other ways, it's a long time. A lot of things can change in that in that space. I I don't think Eddie 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 gives a shit about uh, these games. Um, England are kind of in a way they're the opposite of us. They really do care about the World Cup, and everything's about the World Cup. So if England didn't win another game between now and the first game of the World Cup, as long as they won that game, all is forgiven. Mm. Yeah, There's but, a lot of disgruntled ex-England players, Dave. Not to mention, you know, they expect to win every game, regardless uh, of whether. Now, no, hold on, they've lost. Tomorrow, tomorrow they've lost night, seven right? since since the start of the year. They've played thirteen games. They've lost seven and drawn one. That is not what is acceptable within English rugby. Like we're already hearing. The rumours that Eddie's out the door, that he signed a very lucrative deal to go and coach America. Um, that Scott too. Robertson, yeah, that Scott Robert, uh, Robertson is coming in. Um, you know, so much so that even Ronan O'Gara has kind of said, actually, That's no, great. I'm... Well, I think he kind of he's said he's... Essentially, he's signing an extension. Yeah, so, um, exactly, yes. Yeah. I mean, so, so, but, but point is, point is that he, that all those, like that... That is uns that's that's uh, destabilizing within a, within a, within a team and within a union, particularly one that's conservative like the English rugby union. That you've got all these rumours running around and like 
you know, they're going to sack him. But there's certainly, you know, they're not, that's not what English, like even, even Sir Clive is coming out and giving out yards about, about them now. You know, like that's, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of white noise there. And I'd say he's under severe pressure well, to do reasonably Clive, well Clive, in the Six Clive Nations. Well, so Clive would do well to remember what happened to his England team 18 months before the World Cup that they won. Um, <clears> 76 nil against Australia that they lost. Yeah, um, but you no, also have to remember that they were winning. They, they were winning games against. They were going down to New Zealand and going down to South Africa and winning. They were winning Grand Slams. They were getting to the final game of a, of a Grand Slam. Like okay, they were beaten by Wales in '99, Ireland in 2001. But ultimately, they won the Grand Slam in in '03, uh, and they went on to win the World Cup that year. Like so. You know, it's quite a different kettle of fish than what's what's uh, ahead of or what's facing Eddie Jones at the moment. I, I I think a lot of it. I don't think the RFU are too concerned. A lot of it. I mean, we used to say paper. I think that's rubbish. Then. And now it's 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 now it's LED doesn't refuse pixels. But at the same time, I I think if he goes out and he wins that first game in the World Cup, everything's forgiven. And then if he wins the World Cup, I mean. Uh, you, you talk about them, you know, winning games. The, the season before last, it weren't the, didn't they win the Grand Slam or the championship? Um, you know, France the, the year before France mm. won it. So, you know, they're not all that far away. He's he, he's expanded. No, I think it was Wales won it that year. Did Wales win it that year? Yeah. God, was not. Oh, that was the year that red card was their player of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, but I, I I don't know. I I think there's a lot a lot of hype about it in England because I mean, what else are they going to talk about? The English rugby columns, the state of their domestic game. No thanks. Well, um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, winning is a habit, but so is losing. So, you know, it's all very well to say we don't care about anything apart from the World Cup. But, you know, you start losing games in the Six Nations. You start losing games. Like the games that they've they've won this year have been against Japan, Australia twice on tour, Wales and Italy. While on the other side of of the ledger, they've been beaten by South Africa, Argentina, Australia, France, Ireland, Scotland, Kent or discount the Babads. Or whatever, and they've drawn with New Zealand. So, you know, they've lost the majority of their matches. You know, there used to be a thing in Ireland that, well, if we win our home matches in the Five Nations at the time, that was considered a good season. They're actually in deficit. They've lost, if you just get into Baba's match, they've lost six of their, they've, they've won five, they've lost six and drawn one. You know, Do you so they've actually. Um, I could. I don't think so. But if they had a couple of disasters in the opening rounds of the Six Nations, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think it would take a loss to Italy, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah. you know, maybe it would. They, they are where they are. I mean, the, the the game is what it is. I mean, at least they're not Wales. I suppose it is is what it is. <laughs> There you go. Uh, There's another coach under a lot of like uh, he, he is under biggest. a lot of pressure, and they are they are like you were saying about the RFU being um, conservative. The um, the WRU can be quite you know it does have an itchy trigger finger. Uh, they get rid of guys you know for very little reason, and their beloved their two most favourite coaches are available right now. So I could see a change in Wales before I see a change in England. Um, yeah. The thing about Wales, Wales had a great team. I mean, they had a great team with genuinely all-time great players in it, like Alan Wynne-Jones, like Liam Williams, like uh, Jonathan Davies, um, Dan Bigger, all those guys. 
But those guys are, they're not over the hill, but they can see the bottom of it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not what they once were. And the guys who are coming up behind, you know, we, yeah. we, we saw, for example, like a lot of talk about Lewis Reese Zamet. If he doesn't get the ball, he's useless. I mean, he, he, he serves no purpose on a rugby pitch unless he has the ball in his hands. So um, Wales, I think, are in a worse position. And there's not like we see Welsh rugby week in, week out. There isn't a whole lot coming through. So, yeah. Like that's, um, but that's I do think it's great. I do think it's great to see teams like, like Italy beating and playing well, Italy beating uh, uh, Australia and playing really well. Um, Georgia beating Wales and playing really well. Now, whatever the state of those two countries when they played those games, it's still great for the game that t- the teams will be regarded as lesser teams. The, the, as you say, Jason, the gap appears to be narrowing. Yeah, well, like you look at Wales and the Six Nations, you know, that, that epic game against Italy, I'm oh, sorry, Italy against Wales in the in the Six Nations when, you know, the, 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 those epic last 10 minutes and um, when Italy won, you know, like their results have been okay. They always seem to, they don't seem to be able to be consistent enough that like they were hockeyed by by uh, South Africa um, when they when they played in the week after beating Australia. But still, for them to get a scalp, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we would have been absolutely cock-a-hoop to have beaten an Australian team. Yeah. No, I, I mean, actually, just to go back to our Australia game, um, like, I mean, it was low on entertainment. Well, it wasn't low on entertainment. It was low on, on fancy entertainment. But sometimes it's nice to know that you have that in your quiver, mm. that you can that you can win a game ugly. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, especially when you saw a very young out half coming in at the literally, you know, the 11th hour. Um, yeah. He was even wearing Sexton's jersey. Jersey, yeah. Yeah. You know, so like there was, I, I was talking to somebody and they were saying, oh, I bet you it was all planned and premeditated, but it clearly wasn't if um, if he was wearing. Oh, yeah, a jersey that was jersey. Yeah. somebody else's name. Yeah. No, I, exactly. I, Maybe the I, reason I, I, he, was, he was wearing Sexton's jersey is because uh, it wouldn't fit Ross Burns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think, I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, people. And certainly, and Leicester fans were very harsh on his performance. I thought he did really, really well. Um, in the first half, on your debut against a super rugby nation, you just survive, and he survived. And then yeah. in the second half, he started to impose himself on the game. You could see that with the way he was talking to the forwards once he played himself into it. I thought he did really, really well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's great to have a go- another guy. Yeah, I know we had this conversation loads of times about how there's nobody behind Sexton, uh, but now there's one more guy behind Sexton. Yeah, and, uh, and eventually, you know, it seems to be we've tried all the rest apart from uh, uh, Frawley and uh, himself, and now it it appears that uh, you know there's another protagonist. Uh, yeah. Maybe a year isn't enough, or ten months, or whatever it is to the World Cup isn't enough time for him to. Well, certainly not take over from Sexton, but um, to even be number one backup past Joey Carberry. But, you know, at least there's somebody there nipping at the heels to have a go, you know. If he can can make a significant contribution to Munster getting into the Heineken Cup for next season, i.e. help drag them up the table, um, I think that would be kind of a, a, a proof of purchase, if you like, on him. I think, look, 
Joey Carby's a wonderfully talented rugby player, but I'm not sure he's the best out half. I think Jack Crowley has more of what Irish teams need at out half. But isn't isn't that sort of one of the problems that Munster have suffered for the last five years anyway? That Van Grand, for example, was always seemed to be under pressure. So because he was under pressure, he needed to get results. When you need to get results, you go back to what you know. You go back to the tried and tested, the fellow with 20, 30 Ireland caps, not the the kid with four Munster caps and one Ireland cap. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, clearly for the benefit of Ireland's future, because Sexton, whether he does or he doesn't remain on after the World Cup, can't see it personally, but, you know, even if he did, what's he going to stay for another year? And then we're going to be in the same predicament. We need another bloody out half and pretty sharpish. But Munster need to bite the bullet and say, well, we're going to sacrifice a season and we're going to play. That's not going to happen because Graham Rentry wants to keep his job. And, you know, he has a couple of losing seasons and he's he's done for two. Well, that, I mean, that's, I mean, I think I, I was actually very surprised that Van Grand stuck with Joey Carberry as long as he did because when things go badly for South Africans, they always stick a big lad with a huge boot in and out half. And that's what he had in Ben Healy. And he was kind mm. of moving that way, but didn't really double down on it when he had the opportunity. Maybe because, you know, he, he, he had the sense that, as you say, I've got a, an Ireland international with 20, 20 odd caps here. He's the guy I have to stick with. But, you know, I think that um, I still think that Joey Carpey's best position is fullback. I know you guys are tired hearing it. But I still think his best position is fullback, and it's where he could cause the most damage to opposition teams, is coming into the line when he can see it all in front of him. I've been saying it since since he was at Leinster, um, and if he has a functional, and by functional I mean a guy who does the basics really really well at out half, who he can play off as a pivot, he, he's more da- he's even more dangerous. Whether Munster will do that now, I don't know. Whether Ireland want to do that. I don't know, but I still think I've, I've thought so since since he was at Leinster. That's the best way to go. And I think, I mean, Leinster coaches certainly thought so as well. Yeah. Did they do? Did they? Oh, yeah. Because, well, no, hold on. I think we're, we're trying to fit in, you was know, injury. certain... There was injuries. Like, Sexton was injured, and particularly uh, Rob Carney was injured. Very, yeah. So you're picking, you're picking a guy that can only pay 10 at 10, and you're picking a guy who can play 10 and 15 and probably 12, you're picking him at 15 to slot, to fill in to slots that are vacant. Yeah, like, I, think, I think it's, it's, it's a, at best unproven whether Leinster were seeing him as a fullback. They were, I think they had him as a utility. Uh, yeah, but they didn't see him as an out-half anyway. Hmm. I mean, they never the Leinster coaches never missed an opportunity to pick Ross Byrne ahead of him. Yeah, that's because you had the two incumbents on long-term injuries. So there was plenty of opportunities to play, or sorry, there was plenty of there was there was plenty of opportunities that the team needed both the players to slot in at ten and fifteen, rather than saying, "Let's pick a complete rookie and put him at 15 so we can fit in our reserve out half at out half." I think Leinster picked them there because they could pick their what they consider to be their best, their better of the available out half at out half, and Leinster have stuck with Ross Byrne ever since. I mean, and it's not like Jason we didn't have any other fullbacks. We had one of the best ever players to play for Leinster, who was who was nominally a fullback in the squad at the time. Mm, okay, that's just true. Um, yeah. 
True. Yeah, I, I think there's something I want to say about having Joey uh, coming through at fullback off a guy who can do the basics and supply him with the ball. I, you know, I'm not uh, arguing against that. Uh, it'll also keep him out of the firing line because uh, he he has he has been injured in in you know situations where he's had to front up, not through any lack of enthusiasm or lack of bravery or anything, just physically, bone structure wise. I think he's you know you hit him with a big Fijian, he's gonna break. He's not a he's not the most he's not the biggest guy in the world, um, and you generally don't need need to be a ten if you have uh, David Wallace to protect you up the side of a scrum or, or whatever. But uh, at fifteen, he'd be a little bit more sheltered. And something else, uh, I, I I noticed there at, to tie it back to the Leinster game. Um, that, uh, what's his name? Jamie uh, Osborne playing at fullback. It's it's kind of big fullbacks are kind of gone out of fashion. He's a big guy. Remember they moved Robbie Henshaw to fullback, and things didn't work out so well for him. Uh, and they reckon you know he bulked up a lot since he played fullback as a youth. And the more bulk you're carrying, the amount of the amount of mileage you have to do as a fullback is not it's not ideal to have a big lad there. Uh, unless Maybe he's that's very what's going on Freddie Chris, Chris Latham, for example, or somebody like, if you want to go back to somebody like that, um, you really need the nose to cover the, the ground rather than your legs, whereas Joey Carberry has the legs to do that as well, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about the big fullbacks thing, John. I mean, we've seen a couple of big fullbacks active in the last 12 months. I mean, you've got, uh, what's his name, Stewart at England. Jordy Barrett spends a lot of time at fullback, um, although he seems to have moved in the centre now, which is a better position for him, I think. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think I, we, we, we kind of, using the phrase fullback about Joey Carby when he has the ball is probably the wrong phrase. In soccer, he'd be, ironically, a number 10, you know, that guy playing in behind and, you know, the, the, the fantastico player. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 just it, I, I just think we can get more out of... Or, Potentially, Munster and us could get more out of him as a fullback than we do out of an out half. As an out half, I mean, he's played a lot of, well, not a lot of. He's played a certain amount of games for, for us, admittedly, with uh, less than full strength fifteens at at out half, and it hasn't really clicked. Now he's got injured a couple of times. I mean, I thought that game against Fiji, not the one the other, this time, but the one was it five years ago. Um, I thought that he was good, that was going to be kind of his opportunity, and he obviously he did an ankle there. It caused him a lot of problems ever since. So he's been yeah. unlucky as well, it must be said. But in fairness, he should have stood up. To, I, know, I know it's probably impossible to do. But he should nearly have stood up to to, um, to Schmidt and said, sorry, I'm not ready and I'm not going to the World Cup. You know, because that put him back. Now, like I know that's probably you're putting yourself in an impossible situation and He's a young bloke and he probably wanted to, of course, he wanted to play for Ireland and go to the World Cup and all those factors. But it, it stagnated his career for three years, pretty much. You know? Yeah, it was, it, was, getting, it, was, it was a very he, unfortunate period of time for him. He was, out, he was out, with the exception of a couple of games, he was out for nearly a year from, World, yeah. from the World Cup to, you know, with the, into 2020. 2020. And then he came back, and uh, but when he was playing, he was playing. He came back into kind of a fairly dysfunctional organisation, um, yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. wouldn't have helped at all. But he seems to have 
I don't know, maybe just looking from the outside in, he just looks that he's lost his confidence. And, you know, especially, and it must be very hard when all you hear about is Ben Healy this, Ben Healy that, Jack um, Crowley. Crowley this, Jack Crowley that, you know? Like, I'm not giving the, the incumbent any kudos or credit. Like, it's... it's um, that it happens. Must be, it they can be quite fickle, especially with, with guys they import. There's always somebody newer, especially if they're local. Yeah. Um, they yeah, did that to his face beforehand. Yeah. It is, it is. There's, there's always there's always there's always a shinier toy. Yeah, true. Anyway, look, we move on from, from uh, Joe, Joey Carberry. <laughs> so we played uh, we played Glasgow last week. Um if I read out these stats, right? So I know the one you're going to read, possession. Yeah. 40% versus 60% possession. Clean break, 7 versus 3. Defenders beaten, 26 versus 12. Offloads, 23 versus 6. Territory, 61 versus 39. Missed tackles, 26 versus 12. Penalties conceded, 15 v 13. Which team do you think I'm talking about? Hmm, well, that's I'm, a good one. I'm, I'm actually uh, okay. I'm talking about Glasgow. So Glasgow, all those statistics were in positive for, for Glasgow. Yes, they were beaten by 35 points and pretty much looked like they would be lucky to get those five points. Yeah, they spent a lot of time running backwards and forwards across our 22 uh, uh, from side to side. A lot of time going east to west. They didn't have a whole lot of north south. Hmm. Um, that that match was it was a Leinster win. It was functional, it was efficient, it was job done. Next, I I leaned over to a friend of mine who's recently retired from the civil service and said that that Glasgow team has all the penetration of a pensioner's penis. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, and folks, if you're wondering why this 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 episode has got a a, a, a PG rating, you just know why now. Sorry, guys. But anyway, uh, yeah, they, they didn't do a lot with the ball when they had it. Uh, they just... East to West, John. They just went east to West. And, you know, you kind of looked at them when they had when they had the ball, when they had possession, and went, if they're, if they're going to stay on the 22, that would be an achievement. Because, you know, and they're not going to go backwards away from the 22 and end up on the 10-metre line or the halfway line and then have to kick. Uh, so I don't know what's going on, what's rotten in the state of Glasgow. They're not having a great season. They've had a few decent wins, but they're not uh, firing on all cylinders by any. They're state. like they're like uh, Jason was talking earlier about the Irish team getting wins at home, and then and that was a good season. Glasgow are unbeaten at home, mm. but they're yeah. they've lost every single match away. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, Rob Russell obviously is going to get a lot of the the kudos for scoring his hat trick, but. Like there was a couple of. Would be, was couple... It's actually been quite quiet, Jay, about him. He doesn't yeah. seem to have attracted that kind of attention. Normally, when we get yeah. a young winger who's scored a, who's, who's who's done something like that, there's a lot more mm. chatter about him, but there doesn't seem to be. But th- there was there was some lovely bits of play that led to those tries, like the offload, um, in the tackle from Charlie, um, what's his name? Natalie. Natalie, thank you. Yeah, what a great offload! Absolutely fantastic, and like you know, the sometimes you kind of uh, this slowed down so much, and uh, 
you kind of were like the CMO seems to want not to award this try, <laughs> whereas you know you just well, you should be nearly rewarding the attacker. But and oh, then yeah. I thought, I I thought that um, the lovely little break for, from Cosgrave that he when he came on for for the last try it was just beautiful. Like what a lovely weighted pass he gave him and step inside. It was, you know what I mean? Like so there was there was other there was even like Max Egan I thought was head and shoulders the best the best player on the pitch. And it's always they always give the you know the, the man of the match award to the fellow who scores three tries and he just falls falls over the line a few times. <laughs> well, yeah I know I, I know there's a bit, I know there was a bit more there's a bit more to it than that. But you no know, I I was saying to Paul Kelly uh on the on in, in the terrace that uh he reminded me of Igor Belanov, uh, the Soviet striker during the 80s and 90s, who did, didn't look like a footballer at all, but was like the record goal scorer for the USSR. Um, and all of them were scored from like a yard out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I mean, you look at you look at the young guys in the team now um, who, who played a lot of rugby this year, um, like Jamie Osborne, Chris Cosgrove, uh, Cosgrave, uh, Rob Russell, Cormac Foley. Uh, Mike Milne, Tom Clarkson, um, and not not forgetting that like Dan Sheehan is is their peer. Mm-hmm. Um, other guys like who who who've been who came back in Joe McCarthy, who I know is raw but has the right attitude. I think he can be fixed if you know what I mean in terms of his penalties and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of really good young players coming out of the system right now. Yeah, yeah, I think Joe, Joe McCarthy's. Uh... He fancies himself as a bit of an enforcer, uh, which is, on one hand, like you say, a bit of a penalty machine. But on the other hand, it's good to see in a guy so young that he's standing up to the. To the yeah. There was an incident I mean, with, he the, has... with the big, tall second row uh, for Glasgow. Can't think of his name. Uh, and he just it was round our twenty-two and pink in the second half, and uh, he he there was a bit of a argy bargy, and he just collapsed your man into a heap. And your man got up disgruntled and McCarthy just stared him down and went, right, do you want some then? Hey, hey. But the reason for that time was because McCarthy had uh, stolen his gruntles. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. like the more that he gets established within the team and his reputation starts to build as an international, the less penalties he'll be awarded against him. Like refs would be like looking at this kind of young looking fellow with no rep and no you know, name it. It's easy to give him a pen of how often did Victor Mafield get penalized? Like, I would back his boat. I'd imagine quite not as often as other second rows, even though they probably committed as many infringements. I'd say Backy's Butter has uh, has quite a few yellow cards to his name. Uh, yeah, they were uh, but I still think <laughs> I still think he uh, would have got away with a bit more. Look at look at Richie McCaw, for example. Get away with a lot just because of the name you trade under the name that you've. Well, the, yeah, well, the other side of it is, as 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 he plays more and more in the in the first team, um, he'll know when he can and when he can't do things. He's still learning that right now. I mean, he's still a very young player, especially for a lot. So, mm. I mean, it's something he'll pick up and and his, his development. I know people say, oh, he has to learn discipline and stuff like that. He will learn it because he has everything else. Yeah, yeah well, he's. He's certainly been very fast tracked into the national setup from the, yeah. you know what I mean? He was like James Ryan esque kind of thing. They obviously see something there. Yeah. Not so, uh, 
we we um, won a game that obviously we didn't cover when we were off the air for a few weeks was the win over Chile. I know you were at it, John. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was good to... Are we not? Sorry, I thought you were. Excuse I me, I thought you were. I was going to go into it, but uh, yeah, anyway, long story. Okay, oh, but um, yeah, I watched some of it during work and, uh, you know, again, like, it was almost like another kind of facile game, but I think it was still a good opportunity for those younger players to get some game time under the belt, particularly now that we're coming back with all the autumn, once the autumn internationals are over, the internationals filtering back into the team. And I think I heard that they're going to be allowed to um, seven of the next nine games, um, and it's up to the it's up to the Leinster branch or Leinster rugby on which seven of those games that the players want to play in or should be playing in. But uh, you know, obviously, that means that the guys that's featured over the last few weeks are going to be taking a bit of a breather because the internationals are going to be taking their places. Yeah, I mean, in some cases, not necessarily because, for example, um, Robbie Henshaw is out with a with, with a with a bad injury. He's not going to be back till the new year. Yeah. And is doubtful for Saturday. So there's opportunities there for the likes of uh, Liam Turner, who I thought was really really good. Um, I thought I think Jamie Osborne is yeah, Jamie Osborne isn't an up and coming player anymore. I think he has arrived. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, they're going to get opportunities um, off the back of their own ability. Not, be, I mean, okay, Henshaw out gives them a chance. But, you know, they, once you get into that jersey, and you, if you get into the jersey and play well, Robbie's going to have to win that jersey back. Mm. One guy coming back is Will Connors. Good to see him make a, get a positive... Um, yeah. Yep, some positive news. He's he's been just crucified with injury injuries over the last uh, year or so, maybe a bit longer. Yeah, and another one of the many. Uh, I know back row is a position where players get injured more than any other, but um, he's just one of the, the you know from Kevin McLaughlin to to um, what's his name Dan Levy to you know there's any amount of them with career ending injuries before their time um, and ho- you know hopefully he doesn't become one of them in the long term but he certainly in the short term had you know great bursts of mm. you know fabulous games for both Leinster and Ireland and then yeah. long period I, on the sideline you know I thought it was a nice uh, doff the hat from Van de Fleer to attribute part of the reason for his stellar improvement from the World Cup was down to uh, the pressure that Connors is putting on him to keep performing. Mm-hmm. And particularly, you know, when you hear that from one of your teammates who goes on to win uh, World Player of the Year, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Will Connors was been picked ahead of, of Van de Fleer for Ireland. Mm-hmm. Connors gets injured, Van de Fleer comes in and, uh, you know, the rest is history, as they're going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's almost as if um, Will Connors is the portrait of Dorian Gray for the other sevens in the squad mm-hmm. because he's picking up all the injuries. And Josh has been lucky since. Scott Penny's been lucky since, and he's had no luck whatsoever. It's just it's terribly unfortunate. But hopefully now he gets a good run, and that'll get him back into in, in, into uh, 
into contention and get them back kind of match fit, match hard. Um, yeah. We're going to need every player we have for the campaign that we have upcoming. I mean, we're talking about Ulster on, on, on Saturday. And then the week after, we're off to La Harve, and it's not a booze cruise. Mm. Yeah, well, we come to that shortly. Just quickly run through the other teams from or the other results from last weekend. Um, I suppose the one that stands out is John's uh, third choice team now, is it, John? Their victory down in, in Natal. Fourth choice um, in Wales. Fourth choice in Wales, right. Well, they were a very good win. I'm sure they'll be going up the your pecking order now shortly. The, the Scarlets will be ditched and uh, Cardiff will <laughs> third. <laughs> uh, they had a very good win, 35 nil then in, in Durban. So that was obviously both those, but, but like both those sides would have been without their watch and South African internationals. Um, yeah. But both both those teams less, had the extra. Yeah, Cardiff have a lot less internationals. But you'd have to think that a nation the size of South Africa and a nation the size of, size of Wales uh, with South African rugby being, uh, you know, being so strong and them having players all over the shop, you'd have to think that, uh, you know, they'd suffer less from uh, a, a, an out-of-window test being played. But obviously Inter- didn't. But interestingly, all four Welsh clubs were down in South Africa, yeah. actually, uh, at the weekend. As if they planned it like that, eh? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, I think I think Cardiff brought some soft valleys rain with them, um, because when it started raining, sharks were like, "What the hell is this stuff?" <laughs> yeah, well, Durban is a very warm place year round, and uh, it's yeah, I'd say while they do get rain, obviously, and they sometimes get heavy rain, it's it's a rarity. Um, so you know, it's it, maybe it did take them by surprise, but. Uh, it's obviously an attitude problem. You don't get done 35 nil at home by the likes of Cardiff unless there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Woke. Particularly the response of the of the organisation, you know. Um, okay, every every team loses a game. Sometimes the team can absolutely phone in a stinker. But you don't sack your coaching staff because of it. And they did. You took a bullet. So there's, more, there's more at play there than just... You know, uh, what was, it has to be admitted, I mean, not to take it away from them, what was a very good card of performance. Oh, yeah. And, like, they spent a bit of money during the summer, you know, to bring back Mm. some of their stars and hold on to other ones. They've got got a pretty good roster. Um, They have a very strong first 15. Yeah. Obviously, you you kind of question what's below it in in, in the normal run of things, although you can't last weekend. Um, Mm. But they have a very strong first 15. They brought in Obviously, they brought back Talupi Falatau. Uh, Reese Priestland is there now. Um, a lot of players. They kept Anscombe. Yeah. Didn't they keep Anscombe? Mm. Uh, is Liam Williams there? Liam Williams. Isn't he yeah, yeah. I think he does. Um, another notable result was Benetton beating Edinburgh. Um, was that you know, notable, though, Jay? This well, season? okay. Oh, yeah, well, I, just, I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, no, Benton, I'm like, I mean, I think there, there seems to be, a, whatever about Zebra, but there's, there's certainly been a resurgence in, in Italian rugby, like the national team, obviously, we spoke about earlier, but probably on the back of, of Benetton getting, you know, they've won four from eight now. They're, they're certainly, um, you know, worth, worthy of their place in the league. 
you know, uh, whereas before everyone was questioning both Italy's and the two Italian sides in the in the uh, the URC. So it's great to see. It's great to see more competitive games and not just, you know, if you're doing your coupons and looking down and going, oh, that's an away win, certainly. You know, it's good to see. It's good to yeah. see. Um, Actually, it's funny, you meant, uh, at the beginning of the season, obviously Benetton went well and continued to go well, but Zebra actually started the season quite well. They picked up four losing bonus points in their first yeah. four games. Um, and then I think they lost heart because they just couldn't get that win that they needed in either game five or six to, mm. to justify what they were doing. They seem to have lost heart and they've fallen off. But Benetton, Benetton are now a team that will not, you can't take lightly. Yeah. And don't forget, like even a couple of seasons ago, didn't they? I know it was, you know, derided, but they did win the, um, was it the Sheep? Was it the Sheep? Rainbow Cup, that was it. Yeah. Uh, they won Silverware uh, more recently than Munster. Speaking of which, they did beat Connacht, who've also won Silverware more recently than. Yeah, that's everyone's day. Everyone's won Silverware more. <laughs> I've won Silverware more right recently than Munster. Admittedly, it was for a table quiz, but still. Mm, so that's. Uh, they're ninth in the league now, even after that win there. They've got three out of eight wins. Uh, same, as, same as Connick, actually, who are most iconic in the tw- two out of eight wins. Um, yeah, like I just thought that, well, I suppose the, the weather conditions just ruined that as a spectacle or as a game. It was, it was hard to watch. I expect Munster to start winning games and start climbing up the table. Whether they've left it too late now is another question. But you know, they have a new coaching staff in there with a new coaching philosophy. All their players are starting to come back. The guys have been injured. Um, they're starting to get back into the run of things. Um, whether it's too late for Europe, it's too late to win the URC. Whether it's too late to qualify for Europe, they could well, they could well do it. I, I kind of expect them to. Okay. Here, they've got a really tough couple of games coming up now to, um, for the, in December, right? So they've got... Edinburgh at the weekend. Edinburgh are ahead of them in the table. They've won. Okay, they lost last weekend, but they've still won four of their eight games. They're fifth in the table. The Munster are away to them. Like Edinburgh seem to back Glasgow. Good home record. Um, then Munster have, have got Toulouse at home, Northampton away. They've got us on Stevenson's Day and Ulster away on New Year's Day. Like that's a hard assignment. And I mentioned, you know, like I mentioned about um, the, the the Irish players being allowed to play seven out of nine games in the, in the next block. Munster don't have that many Irish players. So they're relying on their, you know, on the team that's got them three out of eight wins. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't continually play Peter O'Mahony and... Uh, and um, Tyburn, you know what I mean? Like, we've kind of seen sadly, Conor Murray is coming to the tail of his, of his career. We saw that in the South Africa match, the difference that that, uh, Gibson, that uh, Gibson Park made when he came on. So, you know, so you've they've got a high, highly paid. For a former starter for Ireland, started for the Lions, coming to the tail end of his career, hanging on in there, but maybe blocking the progress of Casey a little bit. They're not sure what they're doing with their out half, whether they're going to be. Uh, we we had this debate what, who they're going to play or what way they're going to play. Um, you know, I think like 
I was talking to somebody today and I was saying, like, should they nearly forfeit? If you're Graham Rantree, so you just say you get to the semi-final of Europe and you go out in the blaze of glory and you you still beat them, but you don't qualify for next year's Heineken Cup um, in the league. I would deem that to be pretty catastrophic failure. Whereas if you did qualify, but you went out pool stages or even quarter or round of 16, um, I still think if you've got guaranteed European football next year, people would be more forgiving. They'd say, oh, it's his first season. We're building something here. If you kind of get somewhere and then you, then you suddenly go, well, yeah, we're, we're beating them in the Champions Cup in, um, in April, but come the end of May, we still finished ninth and we didn't qualify and we were playing, we were playing Newcastle and Breed next year. I, I, I agree um, with you. Um, I think the win against Connacht gave them a little bit of breathing space that they didn't have before. And if they had lost that game, then I don't think there's any question that they would have had to sack off the European games in order to make sure that they qualified for Europe next year. I think the Connacht game gave them a little bit of breathing space. But then mm. um, the uh, World Rugby Disciplinary Committee took that breathing space away <laughs> by uh, having um, DuPont's ban. So he's available for Toulouse against them, which you know makes the task infinitely more difficult. Although Conor Murray has always had, I think, the Indian sign over DuPont. Always had him, especially for Munster. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Munster, Munster will earn, will earn is probably the wrong word, but it's it's more for the benefit of the game in Munster if they play if they're playing Champions Cup rugby next season, than you know, a heroic loss in the in the in the quarters of the semis this season. Um, I think that's more to the benefit of them. It look, it's up to them. They've guys to come back. I mean. They still have, I mean, they've been without their first choice wingers for nearly the entire season. Two really, mm. really good players um, who have not just good players as, as, as rugby players, but good players as characters on the field um, in Conway and Earls. If they get them back, that's a significant benefit to them. There's the whole situation around uh, centre. You know, they've, they've had a lot of problems around centre in terms of, you know, injuries to guys, guys not been available for different reasons. Um, I, I, and I think we all know what I'm talking about here. But if they get those guys back, then again, that makes that makes it that that strengthens the team and makes it look a whole a, a whole lot better, you know. And then the young guys coming through like uh, Dogwell and other guys like that. So things are not the sun isn't out, but you can see gaps in the clouds. So you're you're saying your your glass of turnip juice is half full, Dave. The glass of turnip juice is half full. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look. Some of the stuff they do is stupid. I mean, but you know, they, they are bringing players back in. Guys coming back from injury. They are building. It, it's all about season management now. When you're ninth, you know, when you're ninth and only a certain number qualify. And remember, actually qualifying mightn't be enough to qualify them. They have to be cognizant of that. It mightn't be enough yeah. to get up to you know position six or position five because there could be Welsh or Scottish teams behind them that have or two Welsh or Scottish teams behind them that have a guaranteed entry you know so you have to be very very careful especially with Leinster going so well Ulster going so well and the South Africans <clears throat> going so well they have to be very careful about season management and I think that's what you were getting at Jason that season management yeah. is the key here it's not about winning all the games it's about winning the right games 
True. Um, okay, so going back to our game against Ulster, like obviously they've beaten us twice last season, but then we did beat them up in Ravenhill um, earlier on this year too, in September, I think. Time so, to return the favour. Beating them twice yeah, this season. Definitely. Um, so we, we kind of said, obviously the Ireland players are coming back this week, but... Um, Doubts remain over a few of them. Sexton's calf. I can't see him being risked at all. No. Um, wasn't James Lowe out running about though? Uh, Larmer and I believe Larmer and Lowe are, are um, positive news yeah. about both of them. Yeah. So we gained two wingers and lost two centres, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Ruby Henshaw <coughs> and Natai. I don't think a, a decision hasn't been made on Natai, but. He, he, he did pick up an injury last week, so he, he has to be classified as doubtful, all right. But again, I'd wonder if they'd risk him considering Henshaw's injury. You know, Henry, Henshaw's out to... It's, he's out for the Heineken Cup matches in January. He's January, out until the new year, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, And then, of course, Ulster have Ian uh, Henderson back, which is good for them. And then they have their... Hmm? Did I see him named in an Irish squad and then disappear again? I think he trained with the team, but I don't think he went. Um, right. I don't think he was near selection, and he came back on last week on a sub. I think, yeah. um, and then of course Ulster have their thousand and one excellent players who will be jumping at the bit, trying to get a bit of revenge, sweet revenge. Well, the doctor in this time like, did the double over us, so it's time for us to do the double over them and and. Uh... Send them back. They think again. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, Ulster. Ulster will have a very strong team. I mean, if you look at their backline alone, it's got a lot of power in it. Um, and it's it. it you got wings like you got Stockdale, you got Balakoon, you got Lowry back, Stuart Moore, um, Hume, McCluskey. That's that's a strong that's strong twelve to fifteen. You know, um, all those guys. Uh, whichever whichever ones they pick from them, um, they have to get the ball though. That that's what I was going to say. The the question is they, I don't think they're strong enough in the back row. I don't think they they, they are strong enough in the back row. But the worrying thing for 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 Leinster is that Marky Moore has achieved a level of fitness. Mm-hmm. He yeah. can yeah. he can he can cause havoc at a scrum time, you know. In, in their seven games that they've played so far, they've scored on average 34.4 points per game. But we've, we've played eight games if they were more. Um, but we've scored slightly less, 32.6 points per game. So they do have potent attack, but our defence is probably leaks a try less on average, which I thought was quite telling and interesting. Um, and I suppose, you know... Um, but like, I don't think there's going to be very much in it. Maybe home advantage might just sneak it for us. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there'll be much more than a score in it. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very physical game because I think that's where it'll be won. Um, I don't. I don't see much more than a score in it. Um, I think we'll win. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Fingers crossed. Yeah, but like they. Like we've said it, we've said it umpteen times on here before. They must be just sick of Leinster. You know, at some point that just you've got to you've got to make a stand and say, 
we're not losing to them anymore. You know what I mean? Like you're going back 10 years ago, you're going back to Heineken Cup finals, Pro 12 finals, quarterfinals in Champions Cups in the Aviva. You know, all these big games and they, they, they haven't won one of those big games. Yeah, at, some point, at, yeah, at no. some point, they have to stand up and say, we're not losing to, to that crowd anymore. I mean, they, 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 as John said, they did the double overs last season, um, but it didn't become a habit because obviously we, 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 we turned them over up in Ravenhill earlier this year. But as you say, I mean, all the big games they've lost to us. I mean, we, we had the thing in the, in, in the RDS last, last weekend uh, celebrating the teams of 11 and 12. And that, that loss in, in, in 2012 must have been absolutely soul-destroying for Ulster. Mm-hmm. Um, because not only... It's not that they didn't fire a shot, it's that we took the guns off them in the first place. Um, uh, decommissioning. Um, so uh, that, that would have been soul-destroying. And then to come back and they... I mean, they had to play... Because, the, because Ravenhill was been redeveloped, they had to play their home, Maria. Uh, Pro 12 final or Pro 14, whichever it was, in in Dublin, and they lost that, and then they lost again, and Cuff, as you say, that quarter final. Pardon? Cuff, cuff, Robbie Dyack, cuff, cuff. Yeah, yeah, but that, but that's it. I mean, team teams that are that are really you know switched on, their players don't make those mistakes, you know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All you have to do is fall, Dave. All you have to do is fall and not lose the ball. That's literally all you have to do. So two things then. <laughs> that's, that's more than a forward can you usually think about, John. Mm-hmm. Multitasking. You must be a back. <laughs> yeah, so it would be it would be a good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that at the weekend. And like it's the future Scottish uh, international at at halfback. Yes, well, we don't. We could be. Could be. Um, it could be actually the monster out half could be a future Scottish international as well. Do you think Ben Healy will go for Scotland? He's still very early in his career. Um, I know I can understand. I totally understand why why Cooney might decide to do it. Um, uh, but I, I don't see Ben Healy making that call just yet. Yeah, well, I, I I'd say that could be the would be definitely the end of his his Leinster career or his monster career anyway if he did decide to go. Um, but like I was glad to see um, Ryan Bird back as well last weekend. Like he took a yeah. a really really bad fall or tackle slash taken out uh, a few weeks ago, and you know he looked in a bad way going off the pitch. So I was I was glad to see him back and uh, galloping around like a big gazelle. And of course Kelleher, it was good to see him back playing too. He's you know, like he, one of those, what you you mentioned, um, you know, Will Connors getting to a very high level and then getting injured and then somebody else coming in and stealing his thunder. Look at Keller. Keller was, do you know what I mean? He was the new, he was the new replacement. We, we wouldn't even miss Sean Cronin. And, uh, you know, he was kind of fast-tracked by the lines to go down on tour. And all of a sudden he gets injured and Dan Sheen comes in and start for Ireland, you know, uh, a regular on the Irish team, scoring tries for fun. Like, I'm sure Kelleher is going, what, what the hell what happened? What happened? It's, it, it's a great position to be in. Um, 
I obviously, do you know how you can tell how strong Keller and Sheehan are as as players? Is how good John McKee is, and he's the third choice. Yeah, yeah, but like going back to your, you mentioned the uh, eleven and twelve team. You know, at, at that era, Leinster had two world class players in every position. We had two great scrum halves. We had two great hookers. We had four great second rows. Of, plethora of fellas in the back row and so on and I think that's what every club needs if they want to be really successful and when you see the, the depth as you mentioned those three really good hookers now you know we've we've barely blinked an eye and haven't th- spoken about or harped back on to the great days of John Cronin and Richard Strauss playing for them you know like they were they've kind of they shuffled off and we didn't really miss them because we've got to really good replacements coming in. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, before we go, I just really wanted to pay tribute, I suppose, to Toddy Weir, like he was obviously because he became more not- notable for his his uh, fundraising and um, making awareness of, of uh, the terrible disease he died of. But like, he seemed a bit of a character when I saw the, that Lions video from 97. And uh, obviously we, we wish his, his family and his wife the very best. And uh, he did he did great great things for for bringing awareness to, to um, motor neuron disease. Some man not to lie down under it though, wasn't he? What, yeah. What a strong character, Jesus. Like he was at a game there a week or two before he died. Against the All Blacks, yeah. Like, whoa, like that, the, the amount of, the amount of effort it, t- it takes to get out of bed with it, like physically, never mind the mental thing of being able to mm. make yourself do it, but just the physical yeah. uh, demands of, of that disease are just yeah. So the guy had a smile on his face to the end. Yeah, how it must have been a grimace, but uh, you know, incredible guy, incredible. He would have been perfectly justified when he was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. To you know, withdraw into himself, oh. feel a bit pissed off with the world, and do, and just you know do nothing except try to fight oh. it and just look after himself. That's not what he did. He went out there to raise awareness of motor neuron disease. He went out there to help fellow sufferers of motor neuron disease, um, and he did it all with his you know with the same fight he showed on the pitch and the same characteristic humor that he showed off it. Um, Yep. He's, a, he's a huge loss to the game of rugby. Just just for his character. His character is a huge loss to the game of rugby. Yeah. Exactly. Well said, Dave. Anyway, boys, thanks very much. Thanks very much for watching. If you are following us on Facebook and Twitter, please give us a like and a subscription. Thanks very much. Cheers.